Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. G'day. Well, this is not a normal uh, period in our life, and um, therefore this is not one of my normal podcasts. But this podcast, I don't have a guest. Um, what I'm going to do is bring in as a virtual guest all those pieces of information that I've garnered and gathered from a whole heap of different people about how you can deal with this coronavirus period. I, in particular, I want to talk about some of the government initiatives. Um, I think that's really important. And I, I've been talking to my mates in Treasury. I'm fortunate I get access both to the Treasurer and some of his Chief of Staff and some of the members within Treasury who are explaining to me how some of these initiatives actually work. And that's really important. So I'm going to start off with the first one. It's not the only one. This is not, by the way, meant to be a comprehensive, exhaustive list of things that have been done by government and or governments. But I want to talk about some of the headline ones. For example, we are being told that you can go along to your bank right now and borrow money. So this initiative is designed to work like this. Now, bear in mind, the initiative was only released a few days ago. So to some extent, each of the banks haven't quite got their policy ready yet. So it's it's going to take, I'd say, a week for them to all to get their policies together or a few days at least, but we're fresh into it. The current announcement is that you can borrow up to $250,000 if you're in business, up to $250,000 from a bank. Now, what does that mean? Well, the first thing it means is that Banks have been speaking to the government and they are going to extend credit to business owners who currently bank with a, th- that particular bank up to 250 grand. That doesn't mean you're going to go and get a 250 grand loan straight away, okay? You've got to qualify for it. But they're not going to look at your current income because your current income is not a proper reflection of what your income will be when the economy recovers. So they're going to look at your past income. They're going to assess you and or your ability to service the debt when the debt begins to be serviced based on your previous income or income prior to the coronavirus hitting our economy. That's the first thing. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid you're going to walk in and say, well, I've only had two guests in my hotel this weekend. No, they're going to look at what guests you had a month or six weeks ago and what, what it was prior to that for the periods prior to that in order to assess your ability to repay the debt. That assessment will be the thing that determines how much of the 250000 you can actually borrow? That's the first thing. That's really important to understand. Don't be afraid. The second thing you need to understand is the banks are going to take a risk. And, you know, we've heard a lot of bad shit about the banks, but to be frank with you, this is a big deal. And for the banks to do this, this is fantastic. But in order to encourage the banks to do this, the government has stepped in. So the government have said if X person goes along to his or her banker 
to borrow a business loan. The government have said, we will guarantee that person up to 50% of that loan. So X goes along to his bank, seeks to borrow $250,000 based on X's past business income, not what's currently the income, but the past business income. The bank will assess his past income as giving him the ability to borrow the whole $250,000. The government is now going to guarantee that loan up to 50%. So if, if something goes wrong, the government will pay back $125,000. So they have de-risked to a large extent the bank's exposure to those loans. This is really important. The third thing the government's done, the government has provided a large amount of money through the Reserve Bank and the balance sheet of the Reserve Bank to banks in this country to lend to businesses, namely around $90 billion. And they are only charging the banks 0.25 of a percent. That's not even one whole percent. That's 0.25 of a percent. So the banks should be able to lend you, the borrower, the money at a rate which is a low rate. Now, I don't know what the rate's going to be. No one does. There's no one's prescribing what the rate is. They're not saying it's going to be 2% or 3%, but what we can be rest assured or what the government is saying is because the banks are getting it so cheap at 0.25%, they should be able to pass on that and still make a good margin out of it. And bear in mind, their risk is pretty low because half of it is being guaranteed by the government in the first place. So we should be able to get this money more readily and we should be able to get it as business owners quite cheaply, relatively speaking, I'm talking about. The next thing you need to know is these are unsecured loans. So you don't have to go and put your house up or your business up. These loans are unsecured. The next thing you need to know is that these loans have no principal or interest repayments for six months. So we all know that when we lend you money in the current environment, you're going to find it really difficult to pay me back, at least for the first six months. So these loans, they are not interest-free, but there is no interest or principal you have to pay. Interest will be calculated, but you don't have to pay back in the first six months. So in terms of a cash flow point of view, there is no payments going to go out of your business for the next six months. And I think the assumption being made here by the banks and the government is that for the next six months, you might not have any cash flow but we will lend you the $250,000 is what they're saying in order to keep your employees happy, to pay your contractors, maybe to pay a bit of inventory cost, et cetera, to keep the lights on, to pay electricity bills, just to keep the joint going. And by the way, there's no prescription on what you can do with the $250,000. So your financials may not allow you to borrow the whole $250,000. What your past financials will do, they will determine the amount of money that the bank will advance you. So your financials prior to the coronavirus might only allow you to borrow $100,000 or $50,000 or $20,000. And whatever it is that you get, it will be unsecured, no repayments for the first six months. It should be at a low interest rate. The government is going to guarantee half of what it is you've got to repay. And at the end of the day, this is really important, the responsible lending rules that came out of the Royal Commission which was only um, 2019, February 2019, are not going to be adhered to for the purposes of assessing these loans. So those responsible lending rules which get layered over lenders, banks, about who they can lend to and how much they can lend to and how long for and at what interest rate, they're going to be relaxed for this period, for the next six months. So that's a pretty good attempt by both the government and the banks to put more capital into the marketplaces for small businesses 
recognising that they may not have any revenue and they need some funding. It's a very well-engineered piece of financial management. And I applaud both the government and the banks for doing this. This is, And it's very well thought through, I think. Now we just got to see it executed upon and we now actually want to see it going out into the environment. And if you're a small business owner, do not hesitate to go and approach your banker about getting this money, this funding. In addition, if you're a small business owner and you have got bank debt, secured or otherwise, go back to your bank and ask them, could they give you an abatement or a period of time to stop making the payments? And what everyone is talking about is a six-month period. So if you had a bank debt that supports your business with a bank, go back and try and access the six months period of hardship relief. In other words, you don't have to make any payments of interest and or principal. Interest will still be calculated, I get it, but you don't have to make any payments because what banks are recognising is that you you probably don't have any income. And what the last thing banks want to do is start putting in a default. The government doesn't want that either because we don't need a whole swathe of bankruptcies in the country. That's the worst thing we could ever have. And banks also know that if they put pressure on you, they're probably never going to get the money, which means if you go into bankruptcy, they're going to get zero. They'd rather you survive the next six months and give you a chance of recovering your position so you can repay them the amount of money that you borrow from them in, say, six or seven months' time when all this passes and the economy gets back to normal or close to normal. And just on this bankruptcy stuff, there have been a number of rules relaxed around bankruptcy. So it's going to be very difficult for anyone to put you in a bankruptcy right now. It's going to be very difficult for anyone to file for bankruptcy in this current period, file whereby they petition the court to put you in a bankruptcy. There have been changes proposed by the government around the bankruptcy rules right now. And in addition to that, if you're a director of a company, this is important, companies who are in business, generally speaking, cannot trade insolvently. Otherwise, the directors will be personally responsible for trading during that insolvency period. And what that means is that if your liabilities are greater than your assets or your income is less than your expenses, it could be said that you were insolvent. And that means, generally speaking, that means you, the business, should not be trading. You should not go out and make another order and build up another creditor because if you do, that creditor might never get his or her money. And generally speaking, when a business is trading insolvently, the directors are personally responsible or liable for trading insolvently. So again, the government have relaxed the rules around those provisions. They have changed the corporation's law and all the laws relating to this, whereby over the next six months, a director cannot be responsible for a business trading insolvently during this period. Now, that's a really important innovation. It's a very, very important piece of legislation, which most people have forgotten about or don't know about or haven't realised how important it is, to make sure that everybody keeps businesses afloat and we keep ordering inventory and we keep selling our inventory and we keep our business up to date and we keep our employees if we can or we keep trading with our consumers and our customers If this insolvency provision stood as it always used to stand, then most directors are just going to run for the exit. They're not going to trade. They're just going to put the company into administration or receivership. And again, we're going to get a whole spate of bankruptcies, receiverships and or administration, which is no good because employees then get paid. No one gets paid. The whole thing just folds up. We have no businesses ready to be there when the recovery comes. So again, there is a six-month window or a six-month opportunity for 
you to survive these insolvency provisions if you're a director of a company trading insolvently. That's really important. So don't sit on your ass. Start the process. Know what your accounts reveal, not necessarily currently, but what your accounts were revealing. So in other words, how did you trade from, say, July till January or February this year? Um, How did you trade the previous year? Those trading figures get put to your bank. Your bank then will make an assessment of how much they can lend you. They will lean on the government to be a guarantor for 50% of your loan. They should charge you a low interest rate. It is unsecured. You don't have to make repayments for the first six months. To me, this is a wonderful opportunity. Take advantage of it. It might help you survive. So cashback payments. That's the next thing I want to cover. Cashback payments for PAYG withholding between 20000 and 100000 Now, what the hell does this mean? I mean, I, I, this is a really important one. I've heard a lot of commentators just repeat what they heard the government say that there is up to $100,000 available for small business owners. It's like a grant. That's not what it is. Let's get be clear what it is, okay? Basically, as I understand it, the government will refund you up to $100,000 for the PAYG tax. In other words, the tax that you take out of your employee's pay packet every week, commencing 1 January this year and finishing 30 June this year. So in other words for the half a year, $100,000. And it's going to be broken up into two quarters. So the first quarter is January, February, March, 31. And the second quarter is April, May, June. So if you paid PAYG tax for your employees up to 31 March this year, and if you then go on to do your BAS statement, which you'll do in April sometime, or your accountant might do it, or someone in your office does it, and you put in your BAS activity statement that you paid PAYG to employees, and let's say you paid John, his wages were 1000 bucks a week and you took out $250 for the tax man and you gave John 750 bucks net. That means John's earning 1000 but you're putting $250 away and then when, when your BAS statement goes out, you have to pay the government all those lots of $250 you've collected every week from John's pay packet since 1 January up to the 31 March. The government is saying that they will refund you that $250. And they'll refund you up to $50,000 in the first quarter, that's the March quarter, and another $50,000 in the June quarter. The refunds will be paid in late April for the March quarter and in late July for the June quarter. There is an assumption for this, right? The assumption is that you're up to date with your BAS. The government can't refund you what they don't know. You don't have to make an application here. Once you lodge your BAS statements, they automatically will see the amount of money you've paid, net amount of money you've paid out on PAYG. And then they will automatically refund you that amount of money. The first quarter up to 50,000, the second quarter up to 50,000, which is where the 100 grand comes from. So this is not a grant where they're just going to draw money out and pay you money for nothing. This is like a refund of tax they've taken out of your employee's pay packet. So in other words, the government is basically saying, We're going to be your partners in terms of paying your employees up to a certain amount for the tax amount, for the amount of money you take out that you give to us, the government. We will give that money back to you. So on the example I gave you before with John, who's who, you know, my obligations are paying him a thousand bucks a week, of which seven hundred and fifty go to John and two hundred and fifty go to the government, the government's basically saying, Mark, instead of having to pay John a thousand bucks, you only have to pay him seven hundred and fifty dollars every week. And the government's saying, We'll pick up the balance. So that's great because when John comes to lodge his tax return, you know, come August, September this year, calendar year, 
John will still be saying, I've, you know, there's $250 worth of tax has been taken out of my wage. You know, Mark Boris has paid it. The government may well have refunded Mark Boris. But if John is under the tax threshold, John will get that 250 bucks back. So there'll be a tax refund for John in, you know, August or September. So it's a pretty good deal. But it is premised on the assumption that you are paying wages to your staff. And it's premised on the assumption, in terms of getting the refund, that you are up to date with your records and you actually lodge your BAS. So that means you've got to get to your accountant or whoever it is, a bookkeeper, whoever it is is keeping your BAS, it could be you, and get your stuff ready and get it lodged so you can get the refund. But bear in mind, it's not a grant, it's a refund of 50 grand for the first quarter, that is January, February, March, and another $50,000 for the second quarter, April, May, June. Now, this may go on. The government may extend it to July, August, September, the, the third quarter of this calendar year. Who knows? Let's wait and see what the government's going to do. But that's the program right now. That's where that $100,000 is. It's not a grant. It's a refund of PAYG or the excess of money that you've paid out that appears in your BAS statement and it will be automatically refunded to you. Now, this is extended not only to businesses, but not-for-profits as well that employ people with a minimum payment of $20,000. So who's eligible? Well, only people who are eligible is small businesses or businesses that are defined as small businesses or medium enterprises with less than $50 million worth of turnover. So to qualify for this money, you must be a not-for-profit or a business that turns over less than $50 million per annum. My tip to you, make sure you're up to date. Know what you're doing. Have your stuff ready to be lodged and or get it lodged. The objective here, by the way, is trying to keep your employees paid. If you don't have a POYG system, you don't pay employees, you don't have employees, then you're not going to get any money. So clearly the objective is to encourage you to have employees. And that's the whole game. Keep people employed. You pay them money. They then can go back and consume in, the, in our economic environment. They spend money. You know, they can pay their landlord. They can pay rent. They can buy groceries. They can pay kids things for the schools. They can buy clothes. They can buy shoes. They can pay medical bills. That's the game here. That's what the government's trying to do. Encourage you, the business owner, by picking up part of your employment obligations to your employee so that you can keep your doors open. So I'm just going to go to the break. I'm going to come back from the break. We're going to talk about some more of the government incentives. So another government incentive that's been released is the temporary release of $10,000 worth of superannuation. Now, that's $10,000 per annum. Now, you might do this on 30 June and you might do this on 1 July. So you can put two days between it, but you actually expand two financial years, or you might do it today and you might do it at the end of the next year's financial period, which could be the June 21. It's up to you. You can release $10,000 per annum, that is in the 20 year and in the 21 year, out of your super. Now, ordinarily, you cannot release money out of your superannuation until the day you retire. There are severe hardship rules, which are exceptions to that. So in other words, if you can demonstrate severe illness, you know, bankruptcy or major dramas, generally speaking, you can make the application to the ATO and they will allow you to release some of your super or all of your super for severe hardship. But generally speaking, when you do release this money, it is taxed. So it's taxed at a certain percentage. So if you release $10,000, notwithstanding that you're able to get severe hardship relief from the government to release it from your super, you have to pay tax for that money on the way out. 
let's say it's around 20 odd percent. So let's say you release 10,000, you're only going to get net $8,000 because 2,000 bucks is going to go to the government. So what is the initiative the government's taken here? One, you can apply straight away without severe hardship, if you so desire, to release $10,000 out of your superannuation this year, this financial year, and another 10,000 next financial year. You don't have to demonstrate severe financial hardship, right? You can just get it released. And that's really important. And when that is released, it is tax-free. By the way, the money you release will not affect your Centrelink payment or Veterans Affairs payments. That's really important as well. Now, there are lots of criticisms around this stuff. I get it. Lots of workforce unions, um, and there are a lot of commentators saying things like, well, it's not right that we start to reduce people's superannuation by allowing them to take money out early. I get that. But I have to say this. I want to stress this. It's not compulsory. This is just a situation or an example of where the government is relaxing the rules to give you more choices to draw money out to supplement whatever it is you are losing under the current economic crisis. So don't blame the government for relaxing the rules, allowing people to access money that they would like to access. If you choose to take that money out, so be it. If you choose not to, so be it. All the government can do is relax the rules. And the relaxation of the rules, it's the government taking a hit on it too. The government are getting their share of the tax from it. It's a shared burden. And that's all the government can do. So I actually applaud the government for doing this initiative. The next one is the increasing in the instant tax write-off. Now, look, some of you guys might need equipment right now. Some of you guys might realise that if you buy some type of equipment, and one of the reasons you haven't bought it in the past is because you might not have had enough funds to do it. Or you might have had the funds, but you're keeping those funds to pay your tax bill come June 30. So therefore, you know, you can't really justify buying this equipment. Well, what the government's done now is they've said this. If you buy equipment, and you can buy 10 lots of equipment if you like, but if you buy equipment, they will allow you to write it off the purchase price of that equipment up to the amount of $150,000. So I realise that there's something I could go and buy right now that'll help me make a lot of money. So what I do is I go and buy this equipment, it costs me $150,000 or $100,000, up to $150,000 anyway, I immediately get a tax deduction for that expense. Normally you have to depreciate that and you might be depreciating it at 30% per annum. So you might only be getting a tax deduction of $50,000 a year and you might've made $200,000 prior to today, which you're gonna have to pay tax on and you might have to pay $100,000 tax on that. If I go and spend $150,000 of that 200 grand, I can write off at $150,000, which means my tax position is now reduced to 50 grand. 200 grand minus 150,000 means I've got taxable income $50,000, which means I've got tax to pay of half that 50,000, which might be 25,000 or less, which means my net position is I've got the asset, I've had to pay a lot less tax, the asset helps me make money, helps me survive, and generally speaking, it's very good financial engineering if you can do this. Now, this is not gonna apply to everybody. Some people say, well, I've got no money to spend, fair enough. But governments are trying to do is say, well, let's look at those people who are in a position to spend that money, who would like to get a tax deduction completely today for that $150,000. If they buy that, that will further stimulate the economy because the vendor of that particular equipment is going to make some money. He in turn or she in turn will be able to employ people, et cetera. This is about keeping the economy going. So this $150,000 is an increase from what used to be a $30,000 limit. Now it's $150,000. And by the way, you can do it 50 times over. Now, that doesn't mean you can go and buy a million-dollar piece of equipment. You're only going to get $150,000 tax deduction. 
but you can go and buy 10 lots of equipment, 150 grand each, and you get 10 lots of $150,000 deduction, which is 1.5 million. So think about this. This is a really good incentive, a really good incentive. By the way, you might decide, I don't have the money, but I'm going to go and borrow from the bank. And you go along to your bank and you get the government to guarantee half the $150,000 you're borrowing, use that $150,000, go and buy the thing you need, go and get the $150,000 tax deduction. Boom. Unbelievable. This is great financial engineering that is being offered to business owners in this country. Just so I've got to be sure here, this asset must be acquired after the 12th of March 2020 and installed for use by June 2021, 30th of June 2021. That's really important. Another important point here is there is ATO support right now. So that's the Australian Tax Office. It goes without saying, you've got to talk to your accountant. You've got to get on top of your financials. You've got to put a submission up to the tax office. If you are in trouble, especially if it's around your tax and super obligations, you know, your income tax owing and or your super obligations for your, your employees, because of the COVID-19 virus, make sure you or your accountant contacts Emergency Support Info Line on 1-800-806-218. That's 1-800-806-218. Now, you can call them up to 10 p.m. Monday to Friday to help you tailor assistance around your circumstances. The government understands, the ATO understands that you're under pressure. Don't sit there under pressure, do nothing about it. You need to tell someone, you need to communicate either through your accountant or yourself, you need to communicate with these environments, these creditors to whom you owe money. That could be to your landlord. You might have problems with your landlord. The landlord might be charging you $2,000 a week rent, but right now you're only making $500 a week rent. Sit down and talk to your landlord. A good example, one of my tenants has come and seen me. He runs a cafe. He's saying to me, he needs to talk to me about the rent. Let's say for argument's sake, the rent's only $500 a week or $600 a week. I'm going to be saying to him, look, what can you support? Now, I'm not going to say if you're making $300 a week, I want the whole $300. i am not going to say that. But I'm going to try and do a deal with him whereby I get something, he gets something. It's in my interest. I don't want to have to go and find in six months' time another tenant. At the same time, he doesn't want me to close him down because I could, literally could under the, under the provisions. But I don't want to do that either. He doesn't want to do it. I don't want to do it. These are business reasons. We need to collaborate. We need to sit down, have a meeting, talk about it, work out what works for both of us, and then go from there. Contact and communicate with your creditors at your landlord, your trade creditors, people you owe money to, your staff. Again, equally important, talk to your staff. If there are 200 hours in a week that you need to be open for, in other words, you need 200 hours of labor in your business today. You might have needed 1,000 hours of labor previous to this, but let's say right now, the amount of people coming into your business to do business with you requires around 200 hours of labor. And let's say you've got 10 employees who used to say share 400 hours of labor. That's 40 hours a week each person. If there's only 20 hours a week labor left and you want to keep your 10 employees, then sit down with your 10 employees and say, look, we only got 200 hours a week. How do you guys want to share those 200 hours? In other words, the 10 of you going to take 20 hours a week each well, one of you might want to take 10, therefore there's 190 hours to be shared by the other nine of you. Sit down and work it out. Be sensible. Some people might just say, oh, look, I'm going to take manual leave. I'm going to go on holidays for, for, for a couple of weeks. It suits me. Or I don't want to work. I just need a rest. Or I want to go and help my brother-in-law to run his business because if my brother-in-law is doing tough, he can't afford to pay employees. I'm going to go and help him, my brother-in-law, my brother or my sister or my mother or my father. Sit down and communicate. You can only do so much. And you, the employer, can only pay so much. The employee 
can expect to get paid a certain amount. And if he doesn't or she doesn't like that, then she can go and make some alternative arrangements. You can only give them what, what is available, but you've got to communicate. You've got to sit down and talk about it. The same goes for your landlord. The same goes for the ATO. Same goes for all your creditors. The same goes for your bank. Go and ask the bank, can I access the six-month hardship provisions? used to be three months hardship, but the government's extended to six months with the bank's cooperation. You must communicate and you must communicate now. You might find yourself in a difficult position where you don't get answers straight away because I can tell you now the banks are being inundated with requests, as I guess some of the bigger landlords are too, but hang in there. And you've got to talk to everybody because if the revenue is not coming in, you can't be paying expenses now without actually coming to an understanding with those people to whom you have to pay the expenses to, including your employees. So it's about keeping the lights on, keeping your brand going, building your business, keeping your employees happy, keeping your customers informed and still service to the extent you're able to service them, keeping all those funders that you deal with, relatively speaking, happy, but at least informed and well communicated to. And when this all turns around, when this all comes back to some level of normality in six or nine months' time, then the business is already established in Australia and we can all take advantage of the upsurge in demand that will follow. So some people are saying to me, well, what should I do in my business? I'm not, I'm not selling any at the moment. Uh, what should I do? Well, a number of people I know are doing a number of things, and one of which is using this period to start to build their brand. Now, brand building, and that is the story about your brand, the story about your business, the messaging around your product, the messaging around your service, this is a great opportunity to start pushing that through digital mediums. So I've never seen a better time to use digital mediums to personify what your business brand stands for. And, you know, I know that using social mediums is a time-consuming thing. And generally speaking, the reason we don't do it is we're too busy running a business. But right now, we're not too busy running our own business. So now is the time to build your brand. Stand for something. Tell the story. Do it lots of times. Be prolific over and over and over again. This is a great opportunity to do it. Another thing you could be doing right now is planning for the future. Another thing you could be doing right now is writing down all your systems and processes and putting it into a manual and getting that stuff really well established and understood, training, further learning for your staff and or yourself, exploration of projects that you might now want to do for when the aggregate demand comes back into the nation and to the world. Take this time to do things. Don't just sit around sweating and worrying and overthinking. Think, then do. Think, plan, write down, execute. That's your process. Build your brands. Learn more. Educate your people more. Look, I'm not saying this is a good thing to have happen to us. I mean, it's it's the worst thing ever. I mean, I just can't believe it, to be frank with you. But equally, we have to have a sane and sensible an optimistic outlook because one thing I know, it's not the bubonic plague. I'm not downplaying, but it's not the bubonic plague. We're not all going to die. We might all get it, but we're not all going to die. The bubonic plague, that'd be a bit different. We'd all die. But one thing is going to happen is that it's guaranteed to affect our economy and it's going to affect our economy for the next six to nine months. But when we recover, business will go back to normal. Maybe not the same normal that we've always had. It might be some, some one of these so-called new normals, but it will go back to a normal. It'll go back to a proper rhythm. And you, the business owner, you've got to be ready to go back to doing that. You can't just sit around doing nothing. You can't just lock up the doors and lock yourself in your apartment and just die. So you might as well do something. So have a positive point of view. Try and be optimistic if you can. Have a laugh. 
and do something practical. Learn, teach, build brands, build processes, build systems, write things down. That's all you can do. Just keep busy. I appreciate the opportunity to be able to talk to all you guys. I think that this probably for me is the most challenging period I've ever experienced in my business life. And by the way, I am affected big time in every aspect, just like everybody is. Probably it's more severe for me because my numbers are bigger, so bigger numbers are at risk. But equally, I'm taking this opportunity to think and intellectualize about what I'm going to do and lead my teams through it. This is about leadership right now. If you're a proprietor, lead your teams. It's an opportunity to shine and help and encourage and inspire and to hold hands and cuddle. I don't mean literally, but intellectually, cuddle your business, cuddle your people, help them through all this and teach them to be leaders. And the lessons I'll learn out of this will stay with them forever. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks very much. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.